We've been talking about addictions and how they can pull us into this black hole that takes us away from God and other people and and even whispers some cruel lies that you're too far gone. There's no way you can go back home. This addiction is too great and, and maybe even convince you that there's no hope for that. Today, I want to continue the conversation around addictions. Well, welcome to Celebrate Recovery Official, a podcast that shares life change stories, courage, hope, and leadership wisdom centered around the Celebrate Recovery principles, all based on the Beatitudes, where Jesus Christ tells us that we can face those hurts, habits, and hangups we acknowledge that he is our higher power and begin the work of processing and dealing with those hurts so we can live out the freedom and healing that he promises for us. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with drugs and alcohol and perfectionism. My name is Rodney. I'm the global field director with Celebrate Recovery. Hey, welcome back. Uh, continuing the conversation around addictions. And kind of got into that that conversation of some of those things the enemy will throw at us, that those lies that he will throw at us that, that promises uh, something that he never, ever can fulfill. It's that, you know, giving us power, making us feel powerful. Uh, when when uh, the enemy says, I can make you feel better about whatever that is that you need power over, or maybe you're just feeling uh, hurt. And instead of facing the pain, that go do this. Go find something to fill that, that void inside of your heart. Um, or maybe it's some insecurities or some emptiness that he's trying to give us some false uh, narrative, some, some, some knockoffs, uh, so to speak, that, that aren't uh, of God, that, that never sustain us and can leave us frustrating and wanting more of that, that false knockoff that can never fulfill that. So I want to just continue that conversation. And one of the things that was coming to mind um, is just some of those things of what that can look like when we're in that place. Um, especially if you're listening and you're a family member, but it's good for you if you're in the addiction place, uh, just to be aware of these things. You know, if you see a family member or a friend, you might see some of these signs that can reveal itself. Maybe it's isolation. They were previously uh, connected and they were engaged, and now they're you find kind of see them finding themselves uh, withdrawing and isolating. Maybe some of their sleep patterns have changed. It's like, man, they are um, up all night and sleeping all day long. You can't get them off the couch or you can't get them out of bed kind of thing. So their sleep patterns have changed or maybe just even their self-care. You know, they're not as concerned about brushing their hair or washing their hair or um, even just bathing, you know, in general. Those can be things that go, okay, maybe these are indicators of something going on. Or uh, a big one, I think, is just this, the moodiness. They seem to be a little bit uh, defensive. Uh, maybe they're even a little bit um, paranoid about things that they've never been paranoid about before. And it's like, where is this coming from? Or... They'll justify a behavior. Sometimes we'll see that. I know I did that in my life where I'll justify a behavior even when um, 
Nobody's asking me to justify it. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, well, if you only knew this, this is what's going on. It's like, I didn't really ask about that, but we tend to be justifying that. So some of those, uh, those are can kind of be some signals, some um, signifiers that say uh, something may be off and it might be worth leaning into. But some of those, um, those bigger signs can be uh, missing um, functions, right? Uh, a, an important event. Sleep patterns um, can be can be something, you know. Well, they they just work so hard, so they're just they're trying to catch up on their sleep. And this is where uh, enabling can kind of play rear its ugly head. By the way, if we're on the other side of that, you know, we'll have a family member miss something, and instead of just calling it out, oh well, they they worked late and and they had to catch up on their sleep, so they'll miss events, they'll miss uh, some functions. Maybe the priorities in their life get a little bit shifted. Uh, what used to be important to them is no longer important to them. Um, and sometimes, um, yeah, there's a lot I can unpack by that, but you can kind of think about that. What, what were their priorities and what has shifted? What were your priorities and what have shifted? Have, it, have you found that to uh, shift in your own life? And so this issue, these addictions can show up with... Um, just um, alcohol consumption, or maybe there's a, a drastic weight gain that you're seeing. Maybe they're dealing with some significant financial issues. Um, these are indicators. These are just signs that they're not always exactly what's going on, but it's something to pay attention to. But there can be those physical side effects that we're talking about, an increased need for sleep or a decreased need for sleep. They never sleep. Right, they're always up. They just wired, whatever. Sometimes our eyes, you know, eyes are kind of that uh, indicator. We can look in someone's eyes sometimes and see something is off, and it can reveal some things. Our bodies are affected when we're not doing the self care, when we're not taking care of that. So, kind of like I was talking about those first signs, we can see irritability, we can see defensiveness, we see mood swings. Uh, we see things popping up. It's like, what? what is going on here? Something is off. And I think as we're looking at those signs, it can be, it's interesting to kind of just be reminded that um, this is not, um, it's not a behavioral thing, especially if we're talking about substance addictions. Um, they may need outside help. And if you're listening and you have a substance addiction, don't be ashamed of that. The best thing you can do is just admit you need help. That's the sweetest prayer you can do. And there's no shame. Please hear that loud and clear. There's no shame to saying, I need help. And so principle one is all about, you know, realizing uh, there is a God and I'm not it, that my life is unmanageable. And so in essence, what we're saying is I can't do this on my own, Lord. I need help. Things are out of control. I've lost control of my life. And that's acknowledging that there's a source that can help us, and we're not that source. So that's principle one. Principle two moves us into this space of, um, but I believe you have the power. My, my will, my power is not enough. Um, my will has failed me, and I'm going to give up on that. 
I'm going to turn that over to you and acknowledge you have the power that I matter to you and you have the power to help me. And that's, that's key to, to believing that something outside of ourself in, in celebrate recovery, we're saying Jesus Christ can do more for us, more for me, more for you that's listening than anything you have inside of you. And so it's so important just that, um, allowing God to, to be in that space with you so that you don't have to face that uh, on your, on your own. And so as I was talking about, you know, the, the addictions, as I was speaking on the previous podcast, addictions can, can just leave this emotional vacancy inside of us. And a lot of times it's connected back to those, those, those family wounds, right? And, and we don't say that to shame our family. One of the most honoring things we can do is to be honest about past hurt. Sometimes in, in an effort to not hurt or feel like we're shaming or blaming uh, our family, we will stay away from acknowledging hurt. And so we minimize it. Well, they did the best they could. You know, it's not their fault. At this point, if you're in a place of addictions and we're trying to get to those trauma wounds, we got to get honest about that. And there's, we're not trying to blame anybody, but we got to be honest and honoring about the pain that's happening in our lives so that we can get unstuck because otherwise you're going to pay the ultimate price. You're going to stay stuck in this addiction. And so it's so important that as we're leaning into Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit, you know, what we're thinking, what are we stimulating our mind with? We're setting some parameters to protect ourselves. you know, staying in the right, uh, the right yard and staying in the right neighborhood. Um, so if you're in that place of addiction, um, you know, some of those indicators that can be uh, something for you just to at least stay curious about and open handed with is, when, when the kind of this lens, when I drink, um, or you can say when I eat or when I, uh, shop or when I'm on the internet, maybe with pornography, I tend to consume much more than I intended to. And that's the, that's the nasty, uh, part of addictions that the enemy will hook us in. And say, gosh, you deserve this. You're hurting. Gosh, you deserve just to be comforted, right? Or, man, I just, I feel so exhausted and and weak, uh, which when we're not taking care of ourselves, our body kind of gets depleted and we become more vulnerable. And we're looking for something that will make us feel powerful. And the enemy says, hey, try this. Uh, we start feeling insecure about ourselves, and the enemy promises this place of security. We feel empty, and we feel that that emotional um, vacancy in our heart. Um, then we, the enemy, tries to give us a sense of identity, and and only Christ can give us that, right? So we're trying to be honest and honoring about what's going on. Um, and so one of those indicators is you're evaluating that whatever fill in the blank that you feel like you might be addicted to is what are the consequences of those things? It could be drinking, it could be eating or shopping or pornography. Is it interfering with anything in your life? 
And that's a hard thing to kind of come to grips with. Um, we tend to consume uh, more than we even intended to. I'm just going to take a quick peek kind of a thing, but then we get stuck in that. Or maybe there's people around me that are saying things, you know, gosh, I think, I think you may have a problem. I think you're drinking too much. Um, by the way, as a, as a recovering alcoholic, um, um, you know, you can get hung up. Are you a user? Do you, or do you abuse it? Or are you dependent? Dependent is that place where, um, if I don't, if I don't consume this, my body feels like it's going to die. And, and so there's kind of those three categories. Honestly, I don't care where I am. It, I don't even want to break that down in my own personal life. I know if I take a drink today, I will be drinking a 12 pack which then will turn into a 24 pack and then it'll, I'll be drinking them, you know, left and right and I'll be in a bad, bad spot. So if, if I'm in that spot, um, that's a dangerous place for me. So whether you use, you abuse, you, you're dependent on that is, are, is there people around you that are saying you, you have a problem? Um, or maybe you've tried to cut back and you haven't been able to. If you are in recovery, let me just say this. If you're in recovery for substance abuse, one of the biggest lies that we can believe is, and this is kind of where we kind of this frame of mind. I think you can find this in the AA material. But we believe this notion that I want to just get back to having a couple drinks over dinner just when life was quote unquote normal. And what a big lie. We, we can't, ha, I, I'll speak IME statements. I can't make that my narrative. It has to be, I can't go there. If I take one drink, I can never go back to having a couple drinks at dinner because it will turn into more. So when you, if you are struggling and you are in a place of recovery and addictions, specifically substance abuse, um, just talking about that for a second, um, our narrative cannot be just getting back to a couple drinks because you never can. You'll be right back in that place. So don't buy into that lie or that that dream space of oh, if I could just get back to that. The reality check is I need to get away from that as far as I can so that I can begin walking and healing and freedom so I don't uh, end up in this in this pit. And that's so important for us to be honest about that. I can't do that. I can't do it on my own. I've lost all control. My strength is not enough. What I've been doing isn't working. And I've given up on that notion. I believe that there's an outside source in Jesus Christ that can help me. And I need help. I need the Holy Spirit in my life. So I'm going to take a quick break and, and I'll continue the conversation on addiction. Stick with me. I'll be right back. Hey friends, did you know that National Celebrate Recovery now has an online Celebrate Recovery open share group? If you're needing another meeting, especially if you're trying to get that 90 meetings in 90 days, you can go to CelebrateRecovery.com and find a link for a Zoom open share meeting that meets Wednesdays at noon Pacific, 12 Central. Go check it out, CelebrateRecovery.com and join the National Open Share Group. 
Welcome back. Talking about addictions, and it's it's a tricky conversation and can bring up a lot of emotions, whether you're on the side of, of a family member um, or, or someone that uh, is maybe struggling right now that's listening. It can be hard because uh, it can kind of dig its roots uh, into us. And so one of the things I was just talking about is uh, we can never go back to the couple drinks when we're talking about substance abuse. And here's the dangerous part in this. And I struggle with this, guys. I'm not too proud to say that there was a season in my life where I'm growing up. I'm running from those hurts, and I would try to put any and all things in my body to, um, yeah, numb out from the pain so I wouldn't feel the pain. And, And all I was doing was running from the hurt. And when I learned that I could face the hurt be honest about my family system wounds and quit running from that, uh, then the healing began to take place in my life. But we have to be careful that we don't fall into this place of um, shifting our addictions. It's like I, you know, I go from one substance to another. Well, maybe this one's not as bad. And so I'll go to this, but at least I'm not doing that. And we try, try to justify it um, in our own mind and it just doesn't work. So I think one of the things we just want to be careful with is let's address the hurt instead of managing the behavior. God wants a heart change and heart change is so much more effective than, um, a behavioral change because a behavioral change will only go so far and it will just become something else. And, and when we don't have Christ's strength in us, we don't have the, his comfort as we mourn over what we're struggling with, if we don't live out his identity, if we don't walk in the security of the Holy Spirit, Jesus holding us and walking through this, um, then, then we find ourselves in these places of, of addiction. So be careful not to shift uh, your addictions uh, so that you don't, you don't get stuck. So those wounds that we're trying to face, we're trying to acknowledge the bad stuff that was present in our life. And some of those things are things that we've done, but it can be some family system things, not to blame, but to be honest so that we can face that hurt. And we want to do that in the context of safe community and celebrate recovery, creates safe community to be able to talk about those things. When I first started talking about some of those hurts, I remember it was so hard to come out of my heart. I couldn't get to come out of my mouth, but the words, putting those into words actually organized a lot of pain. And when I was able to learn how to put those, those emotions to words, the things that were sitting in my body that I was running from for far too long in my life, the, the evil, the bad that had been done to me, the things that evil and bad that I had done that was present in my life to own that and take responsibility, which by the way, this is why in celibate recovery, we use I and me statements. We're trying to teach ourselves. And I love how the small group guidelines, I and me statements, uh, we don't use you and we don't, we all struggle with addictions. Don't we all um, drink too much and blackout? But when I change that to I and me statements, it's teaching me how to take responsibility. So if you're if you're dealing with one of those behavioral or process uh, addictions, uh, something like pornography or something, um, when I can take ownership of that and 
instead of saying, don't we all struggle with this? Changing that to there is presence of evil in my life and pornography is that evil and it's got a grip on me. Or I struggle with drinking and blacking out and I end up in jail or whatever. So it's the, it's the presence of, it's acknowledging the presence of the bad and the evil, but it's also acknowledging the, the lack thereof good stuff. And that's that when we're talking about stimulating our mind with new different things, the fruit of the spirit uh, doesn't live in us. And so we're acknowledging there is lack of good. And we want to, um, it's so important that we're, we're the goal is to help uh, people overcome uh, the addiction, not to just manage or work on the symptoms. We're not just trying to get you sober. We're trying to help you find recovery. And that's a big distinction. What we do on celebrate recovery, we want to uh, address that wound. We want to address the pain. We want to address the lies that the enemy may have fed us, that we've got stuck inside of us, address the, sometimes it's more than um, uh, one wound. Sometimes it's multiple wounds. It's not that we're trying to pinpoint it and blame something, but we're trying to understand the good reasons why we go to this place and why do we find ourselves running to this to escape uh, is there is there a wound inside of us? So let me just say this uh, for those that are on the other side. Um, uh, it, you know, one of the things that we're we want to be aware of is codependency in addictions. Now, sometimes we we misuse this word codependency, and I'll do a separate podcast on codependency. But when we are loving people and we're we're independently going to the father and putting our dependence on him. And then out of the overflow, we're loving on each other. That is healthy connection. That's not codependency. I'm there for you. You're there for me. Where codependency kicks in is when we're in this real insecure base where we're wobbling. We have this fear of if I don't do this, you're going to go away from me. You're not going to love me. You're going to think differently of me, which I struggle with that. That's part of my recovery, and I have to really guard my heart on that. But when they're in that codependent way, it's it's like this definition that everything that's inside of me, if I'm the in a relationship with someone who's an addict, let's use that as an example for a second, um, my mindset is I have everything inside of me that... I need to give to you so that you can be in a place where you need to be and they're not given anything in return. That's not a healthy connection. That's a very, um, ambiguous, uh, avoidant, uh, anxious relationship. There's all kinds of stuff we can talk about that, but be mindful of how you're loving your, your person. And are we, are we being codependent in that place? Um, you know, that the addict in that place is saying, if you would just blank, then I wouldn't blank or I wouldn't do this if you would just do this. And so it becomes everything about me. Every, my, the game plan is based on what I do for you as the addict rather than the addict doing their part. Um, so just a, an important distinction there to, to kind of keep in mind. And I'll do a separate podcast on, on codependency because that's can be a tricky one, but some of those questions that we can ask ourselves, um, 
you know, just understanding when a behavior becomes an addiction is just asking questions like, can you stop the behavior on your own whenever you want? And, and that is the mindset. Well, I can quit anytime I want. But if you're being completely honest, can you stop whatever you're doing whenever you want and not go back to it? Do you, uh, do you do this behavior more often than you want to? That can be an indicator that we're in a place of addiction. Has anyone ever confronted you about your behavior or, or joked about it being too much? And we kind of do it tongue in cheek, but are you hearing that more and more from people around you? You may be struggling with an addiction. Have you lost or suffered anything in your life because of your behavior? Have you lost a job? Have you lost a relationship? Have you been arrested? Have you been ticketed multiple times? Is there, is there some loss? Is there some suffering uh, taking place as a result of your behavior, your actions? Um, it's good to be honest about that. And, and is there, is there an indicator here that, that something may, may be off in my life? And so I think, uh, I think it's important to, to ask those questions honestly. And if you're having trouble, um, kind of understanding that, um, it's, it's good to just be aware of as we're facing, as we're facing these things, if you can't ask those questions honestly, get somebody close to you to just say, hey, give me honest feedback. Give it to me straight. Is there is, how do I do with these? And let them answer those those questions. And then you you may uh, have some indicators that um, that you have an addiction. And, and addictions, guys, is the enemy's, his biggest scam is presenting false hope or this, this false knockoff to only what God can provide. And and it's so important to understand as we're facing the hurt. Celebrate Recovery is helping us to face those past uh, traumas. And when I, I was talking with a sponsee about this not too long ago, John 15, and I think it's around verses 5 or 7, it's talking about... Um, I am the vine and you are the branches. Jesus is saying, I am the vine. He's saying, we are the branches. And here's such an important thing. Sin doesn't cause withering and rotting in our life. And I said, wait, what? The reality is we wither in sin because we're disconnected from the vine. Now think about that. When he says, I am the vine, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. When we get disconnect from that vine, what happens to the branches? Withering and rotting. Sometimes we think that, that sin is what's causing that. Well, sin does play a part in that, but we wither in that sin because we're disconnected. And that's why that's stimulating our brain. That's why we come and we worship and we sing songs of God's truth. We read his word. We're reading his scripture. We're staying in his word. We're connecting with the body of Christ. We're changing our people, places, and things. That's the boundary thing that we were talking about. We'll do a separate podcast on that. But connection, healthy connection, not just any kind of connection, but connection is so critical. And in that passage, it's so important to know when when he's talking about, you know, abide in me. Go read that in John chapter 15. That's not, he's, he's not talking about connection being a command. Think of it as an invitation. Your father is inviting you in to a connection 
with him so that we can do as first Corinthians five seventeen says that we can become a new creation that the old part of us that's stuck in this addiction can go away and the new life, this new way of living can, can come into our life. And guys that, that comes by facing, understanding our past trauma, naming it, putting it into words and talking about how it makes us feel that vulnerability, uh, noticing that pain that comes forward when it starts knocking on the door of my heart, notice it instead of ignoring it and running and numbing out, honoring it. Hey, you have something to say, inviting it in, organizing it, and then sharing that with God and other people. Because as I was mentioned, those tendencies of addictions is isolation and withdrawing. That's where we see that shame begin to grow. And that's when our, our compulsivity uh, begins to grow. And I've said this before. Some of you heard me say this, but my brain in compulsivity is when my brain is trying to do the work that my heart is designed to do. And that's so important to organize the pain in my heart. My heart is a different function than my brain. As Romans 8.15 uh, talks about the spirit of bondage. In verse 15, it says, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Again, rather the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. So it's so important in this connection. If, if connection is Jesus's invitation then we need to think about who are the people we're inviting into the space. And again, we don't go shout this to the world. We don't, we don't just yell it from the rooftops, but we need to invite people into this space. And one of those questions in Celebrate Recovery is talking about the emptiness. Describe the emptiness that you feel. When you begin to let people into that, or what is your family secret? When you invite a certain circle of trusted brothers or sisters in Christ into that, there's a, it's a game changer because now we're facing those wounds of our past as we've acknowledged it. We understand that stuck cycle that we can fall into. We understand the, how the, the lies has led to temptation that leads to acting out. We begin to accuse other people. It's your fault. If you would just, I wouldn't, or if you wouldn't do this, I would. That's the accuse and excuse. And then we just get stuck in this guilt and shame in this place of hopelessness. And guys, that's where the acting out um, begins to, to really get us stuck. Now, here's a here's an encouraging word. God's word can be encouraging. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. This isn't about behaving and, and trying to manage behaviors. It's about walking with a heart change. And if the spirit of God lives in us, then we can begin to walk in freedom and understand our new God-given reality. And here's a cool thing. 2 Corinthians uh, 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If, if the Holy Spirit lives in us, that, as I mentioned, I think maybe on the previous podcast, the Spirit of the Lord is with us, that means, as that 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, that means there's freedom there. 
we have access to that freedom and he's living inside of us and it begins to shift our heart and our attention to something greater and be able to walk in that wisdom as I mentioned on a previous podcast but so important that you don't face this on your own power we need each other we need uh, we need each other's help we need each other's support we need each other in this space and so um, I, I love uh, Dallas Willard's uh, quote. He's talking about maturing process. He says, on the first day of sobriety, a recovering alcoholic will be filled with thoughts of heroic efforts. After 20 years of sobriety, the mind will be free to think other more interesting thoughts. Sobriety will no longer look heroic, only sane, only a gift. That's the power that the Holy Spirit gives us in this space that we can begin to, to walk in that freedom and, and life becomes a gift, not sobriety, but recovery in life. And I'm going to close with this, this uh, quote from Charles Spurgeon. He says, nothing teaches us about the preciousness of the creator as much as when we learn the emptiness of everything else. I love that. We will fully understand the preciousness of the creator when we learn the emptiness of everything else. When we realize those things, the enemy's promising us to give us, give us power and uh, comfort us in our pain and give us, uh, fill that empty uh, black hole in our heart, that emptiness void that we have in our heart, that we're searching for something. When we feel wobbly and empty and we're trying to find a sense of identity, when we can realize that what the enemy is promising is empty. Then we begin to shift our attention towards something better that there's a precious, the preciousness of the creators. Charles Spurgeon says, um, is so, so much, uh, better than the emptiness, the world or the enemy is trying to provide me. So lots, lots of stuff there. Probably going to have to do another one to, to unpack some more stuff, but, I wanted to just keep that in front of you guys. Celebrate Recovery gives us the tools. Everything that we do in Celebrate Recovery will help you manage whatever addiction you have. And if it is pornography, if it is a substance abuse, if it is eating or gambling or shopping, it doesn't matter. There's a common thread there of trying to fill that emptiness, that void in our heart. And Celebrate Recovery can help us do that. And again... If you're in significant substance abuse and you've been using something on a regular basis, please consult your doctor before just trying to white knuckle your way off of that because that can be dangerous. We want to make sure you're under care. And sometimes that means going to a, a detox. Sometimes that means going to a recovery center. At least consult your physician before you just try to white knuckle your way off of that so that you're in a, a safe place and then let's get to the heart work, the good reasons why we do what we do so that we can have lasting uh, freedom. Well, I hope this has been a good conversation, maybe helpful. Again, I just want to tell you, please don't try to face this alone. I hope you're encouraged to know that there is hope, that change is possible. Invite Jesus into it. Get into a community. Celebrate Recovery is a great community to help you face your hurts, habits, and even those addictions that you might be wrestling with. And, and maybe the enemy's convinced you that there's no hope. There is hope. 
Come see us. You can find a, a meeting near you. Just go to CelebrateRecovery.com forward slash CR groups and just type in your zip code or your city and you can find a group near you. Join us on this road we call recovery. And thanks for joining me today. I hope you'll join us next time. Until then, God bless.